0: Welcome to Work and Play, the podcast of Consangy, Brooksmith Smith, and Profit, where we discuss employment news and provide practical insights and tips that you can use at your company or in your practice. I'm your host, Bill McMahon, and with me today is my guest, Ron Sarian. Ron, how are you doing?
1: I'm wonderful, Bill. How are you?
0: Doing good. We're talking cybersecurity today. What, would, what advice would you be giving to a company to avoid... You know, being the victim of a ransomware attack or avoid, you know, having a, you know, a a data security breach that would have to be reported.
1: I I think education is the biggest way to, um, Fight it off. I mean, because it, it only gets there through human <laughs> human interaction with a bad guy.
0: Uh, so you, you, you know, human error, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah.
1: Exactly. And, yep. and so, yep. and so, to the extent you can train your employees, that's the number one most important thing. Of course, you know, um, there's also you know a lot of vulnerability um, you know analyses that that you could, you know, that that you could do. I know that. Um, CIsa you know, just released a, a ransomware assessment tool a lot of a lot of uh, you know uh, there's a lot of companies out there that, that have uh, you know, assessment you know, ransomware assessment tools that you can use to, to detect uh, or to determine what your vulnerability is and if there's any weak spots and so forth. Because there's so many, you know, cybersecurity is so important. There's so many ways to attack a company. Of course, ransomware is the most profitable way to attack a company. But there, there's other ways to to bring a company down, too. I mean, there's there's web-based attacks, which are used a lot, um, which, you know, which would consist of, like, DDoS bot attacks. And DDoS is distributed denial of service. And basically what that is is a situation where a hacker has basically um, acquired an army of computers and he can control those computers to all sign in on uh, uh, to a particular website at one one point in time and actually bring the website down because it's overwhelmed. Oh, and I, I see. Like, yeah. And, and so, you know, we would have those DDS, DDoS bot attacks all the time at eHarmony. And in fact, you know, now that uh, now that Russia has just, um, you know, attacked the Ukraine, Russia's quite adept at, at cyber attacks. They've got a lot of bad players there. And uh, you know, uh, I just read that Russia was had extensively used DDoS bot attacks in the days leading up to this invasion to bring bring systems uh, down, and they've also been using a lot of uh, data wiper uh, malware attacks to um, destroy computers. So, you know, cyber warfare is going to be a part of anything that goes on in the future, and I'm I'm quite concerned about you know. Uh, where we're headed now with with this Russian invasion and us then, you know, putting on monetary sanctions because Russia's, again, quite adept at, at cyber warfare. And I would not be at all surprised if uh, we see cyber attacks and ransomware attacks going up, you know, before yeah, there that, were some negotiations between Russia and us where, where we we tried, or at least we we thought we got Russia to agree to try to tamp down on their cyber attackers. And, you know, frankly, right now, I'm not sure Russia's, Russia's going to want to, tamp down on their cyber attackers. And I think they're going to, I think they got free license to, um, you know, go ahead and and attack us in any way they can, if, if, if they're getting hit with economic sanctions. So anyway, that's a little bit of an aside.
0: (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's a valid point though. And, (laughs) you know, obviously with the changing, you know, political climate, even internationally, it's something certainly for, for people to be thinking about and to be aware of, um, (laughs) And remind me again, you you said the name of it, but it, you said it was not ransomware; it was a certain type of bot attack. Tell me, tell me the, that acronym again.
1: Yeah, D-D-O- and what it stands for? Yeah, yeah, DDOS, distributed denial of service, bot attack. Okay, okay,
0: DDOS bot attack. Yeah, so that was an interesting concept. So it's kind of this concept of almost uh, fake account users accessing exactly. a site. Not, not really for purposes of hacking into it or or stealing information, but just really from the standpoint of it of of almost too many people uh, accessing it at once and bringing it down.
1: Yeah, grinding it to a screeching halt, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it, it interferes with business, and you can't conduct business, and and you're losing all kinds of money.
0: And Very of course- interesting. I mean, I think yeah. all of us can kind of relate to that. For, you know, anyone that's got like a home internet connection uh, you know, where you're trying to connect with a, you know, through a service from town, there's times when the internet is faster than others. And there's times when that connection is a lot slower. Um, and it's slower when there's of course, more people online, right? Oftentimes. Yeah. Um, and and it sounds like with one of these bot attacks, you can get to the point where, you know, it's just like, there's no activity at all. And, and the system is essentially shut down.
1: Yeah, and and you and you are losing business or you'll go out of business if it goes for a long period right you know right. And there's also there's also another web based attack called a SQL injection which is SQL which stands for structured query language whereby the uh, the bad actor basically inserts uh, you know malicious code into a dialog box on your system that that enables them to actually get into your system and, and, and uh, you know, and, and wreak havoc. That's, you know, another way. There's also, you know, something called CSS or cross-site scripting, whereby, you know, an attacker inserts malicious, you know, JavaScript into a vulnerable act and then a, a user uh, vulnerable app, I should say, and a user goes into that app, uh, the, the JavaScript executes in their browser and then basically the, the attacker inherits the identity of the user. So the attacker can go in, get you know, with the user's identity and go into any website and, and basically, Purport to be the user, and you know, you know, cause havoc. So, and there's ways for these to be avoided, uh, you know, as part of your uh, cybersecurity. You know, with what's called a web application firewall, which we can get into. But, you know, that's just kind of touching on the different areas. There's web-based attacks. There's you know traditional malware, which again has like data wipers or the advanced persistent threat, where you know they they introduce uh, you know a virus or malware into your system, and they're and it allows full access into the system and they're just snooping around in your system and deciding what they want to do, or they're, they're exfiltrating, um, you know, uh, trade secrets without you ever even knowing about it, you know? Right. Exactly. uh, Really, really scary. Uh, And then they can decide, okay, well, one day we're going to just make an attack and that's why it's called, you know, advanced persistent threat. It's there without your knowledge. And one day they can decide, you know what, let's just bring this whole system down. Let's, let's wipe all the data or let's, Let's 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 do a huge ransomware attack because we know we know they're soft spots and we know it's going to hurt them and so forth. So it's it's a really interesting world, but it's a world where, again, lawyers and I think everybody really needs to have some concept of of what's going on and some awareness of what they can do to avoid um, having this type of um, activity take place.
0: Right. Right. So let me ask, let me ask this piece of it. You know, I mean, you mentioned some aspects, uh, some, some ways that, that companies can, um, you know, try to control this risk, whether it be through, you know, certain, uh, you know, you mentioned programs as far as kind of identification of internal versus external emails. You mentioned obviously the big one being education for employees, which, you know, that, that's a huge aspect in which HR can be involved. And really making sure people are you know consistently looking at this and consistently being updated in terms of what's out there um, let's let's see uh, that you know as a company you feel like you're pretty solid there um, from a risk management standpoint on this uh, is there any types of particular uh, insurance coverage that a company might think about getting that could apply to you know, let's say like a data breach or something
1: well of course uh, there there is uh, cyber we call it cyber insurance loosely that that covers all types of things including mm-hmm. you know a uh, ransomware attacks and so forth uh, it was relatively cheap uh, in the past uh, after last year which was again a record for ransom a lot of uh, insurance companies are now just not even writing it anymore and overall um, it's gone up approximately 90%, at least the premiums for, for coverage. Wow. And, and, okay. And so, the, so, so the key is, the key is when you meet with insurance companies, well, uh, preliminarily you need to find a really good broker who's got expertise in this area. But when you, when you do, um, your dog and pony show for the insurance companies is critical. And what the insurance companies want to know is what, what type of, you know, um, cyber, um, Protections you have in place as a company. So what, right. what you really need to do was would be to sit down with your tech people, usually your CTO or your infosec people and go over exactly what they have because insurance companies want to know that you got things in place and of course there are a lot of boxes that need need to be checked i mean you need to establish to the insurance companies in order to you know for them to even write you that you've got for example like a a a good you know a good you know state-of-the-art firewall and of course that's pretty obvious i mean that's the first thing you look at but then then you want to make sure you have a good web application firewall which is what, what would guard against these web-based attacks like the DDoS bot attacks or the SQL injection or the cross-site scripting that's Got very important. I know we went through a number of those at eHarmony you know our, our InfoSec people just weren't happy with who we were using we kept getting bot attacks and so we changed two or three times and then you want to make sure you have the appropriate you know database segregation you want to have everything siloed so if in the event, uh, in the event a hacker gets into one one database they are not going to be able to get into another database and, and go through your entire system and
0: it's uh, a good point yeah, yeah I see what you're saying that. Yep. Yeah, yep.
1: and there's also you know layering where where people only have access to one particular piece, small piece. There's nobody who has access to everything. So if that one person gets hacked or the, uh, 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 a bad, you know, a bad guy gets a hold of that person's credentials. They're only going to get so far, they're not going to get through the rest of your system. And of course, then there's encryption, which we talked about before. There's all types of encryption, but you want to use the best <laughs> encryption you can that's not overwhelming and going to shut your business down. And then there's logging, which is incredibly important. So you know if somebody access your system you know exactly when and where they access your system
0: right and and who did it right yep
1: right and who did it you know what they went to you know what they you know what they went into and then of course there's onboarding and offboarding Uh, we talked about onboarding, which is properly training your, you know, your people and also, also uh, onboarding that is and offboarding, of course is important too, because somebody leaving might say, you know what, you got a problem here and you better take a look at it. So really critical to ask people, you know, when they leave, you know, all the reasons and, you know, what they, you know, what they considered uh, is is not appropriate and so forth. Right. And then of course you can do what's called. And also I would
0: imagine uh, I would imagine, you know, it goes without saying, but cut, cutting off disgruntled employees' access to systems,
1: <laughs> absolutely. And I know that at Harmony, when 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 an employee left, I mean, when an employee was left let go, we would call that person into HR, and before that person even went back to his computer, that access, the person knew that they were leaving, <laughs> that access right. was immediately cut off.
0: Right. And, right. And right. And the right. person
1: was not even allowed to go back to the office. We would send send him or her, uh, whatever their personal belongings, we'd send them home, uh, you know, in a separate mailing, but they could not go back in. Their access was cut off. And so that's really, really critically important. So they don't go back in and try to mess up your system.
0: And then, Absolutely.
1: Course, we, yeah. There's white hat hacking where you, you know, you hire, you hire good guys to, you know, we did it at least twice a year to come in and try to hack our system and tell us. Oh, where the got wound. it is,
0: it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a training exercise, if you will.
1: Well, it's, it's it's like a training for our tech people because, you know, right. we'll, hire, we'll hire these hackers to come in and say, okay, we want you to try to get into the system. And they'll, they'll, they'll always figure out a way and they'll say, you got a hole here, you know, go fix got this it. hole. Here's that, one that, way
0: that, fix. that also would be a good opportunity to test if uh, people are getting the phishing lessons through the training modules, right? Like if they fall for one of them when they're not supposed to uh you know they, they they'd obviously know that' as pretty quick feedback from that exercise, I would imagine
1: yeah. well, yeah, it's similar to that that's right I mean yep. Uh, yep. You know, when when they when they have that that is very similar I mean, and that's another thing that I was gonna gonna discuss, and that is there should be these exercises where you deliberately send phishing emails, of course they're generated by you and you see you click right. on them. <laughs> and you bring right, exactly. Exactly into the office and say, you know what, you just hit a phishing email, and this could have wrecked our system. So here's some, here's a class, here's a module (laughs) that you need to look right, 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 really, really well, because uh, uh, you're, you know, you're putting the company at jeopardy by clicking on this. Yeah, I
0: actually really like that as a practical idea. That's that's fairly easy for anyone to implement. And you're right, you get a gauge really quickly on how you know, in tune your folks are in terms of avoiding these sorts of things, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a very important exercise for any company to undergo. And I think just as important, if not more, is to patch your systems uh, whenever there is an update available on any of the software you're using it is absolutely critical to immediately patch the system. And that's where so many of these huge, you know, um, uh, uh, malware attacks in the past that were well-published, like the WannaCry and the Petya and the non-Petya. For example, DLA Piper got hit with with one of uh, one of these uh, uh, malware attacks. It was uh, the WannaCry attack, as, as I recall. This is maybe five years ago. And, and it happened because one of their computers in, I think it was in the UK, had not been updated, I mean, uh, for the software they were using, and it allowed the the bad actor to get into their entire system and shut the whole system down. So patching is incredibly important. And that's all from the network. Everything I'm discussing here is kind of from the network, the company standpoint. But of course, on the user access, which is where the actual employee signs in, it's critical to have multi-factor authentication.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and we're all pretty familiar with that. Right. I mean, even though yeah. it's annoying to get that, you know, yeah. extra text message to punch in the code to be able to access, I, right. you know, to your point, you know, if the hackers don't have that secondary code, they're not going to be able to, to access anything.
1: That's right, and uh, you yeah. know the, the appropriate endpoint encryption and the in, uh, appropriate endpoint uh, cybersecurity, like Sophos or something that's recommended by the employer that should be on everybody's uh, device. So, you know, right. th- that's really that's what you can do to try to avoid this stuff. But you know, no matter what you do, there's always a possibility that something's going to get through. Right. But right. want to minimize the risk to the to the extent humanly possible, because that ultimately is going to have have to do with your legal liability. And, and that would go into the determination of whether or not you are using quote unquote, reasonable security procedures, which is basically just a negligent right. standard.
0: Right. Well, and, uh, and I was going to ask that from, I mean, not to get too deep into that, but from a legal standpoint, we're obviously not talking, you know, strict liability here if something happens, but to your point, it's more of a it's more of a negligence inquiry in terms of whether the company did what was reasonable under the circumstances and, and given, you know, the type of information that their business is involved in and and they're trying to protect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's always been, it's always been a negligence standard and, you know, reasonable security procedures would basically be uh, basically be industry best practices, whatever that industry would particularly use. And of course it's a tribal issue of fact for a jury It has the the quote unquote reasonable security procedures has been codified in many, many areas of law, including CCPA and HIPAA and GLBA and all those, you know, they require you to use reasonable security procedures. Uh, And of course, so so that, you know, so if if you, if you do get breached, uh, you know, someone is still going to have to establish that you did not use that. But of course, that's just a tribal issue of facts. So, you know, this lawyer is going to go out there and find some expert to say you didn't use reasonable security procedures. Yeah, yeah. a jury, and, and and so you know, but the bottom line is you, you have to do your very best, and so you go out there and you find out what other similar companies or you know in the industry are, are are using to protect their particular types of data, and you want to make sure that you're doing that, you're there or above that level. Now you know one one big development that's happened here in California under the CCPA, which is you know the California Consumer Protection Act. Okay, uh, uh, is is that. Uh, d- damages, if, you, if you're if you determined to have not been utilizing reasonable security procedures, damages are presumed. And that's huge because before wow. it was very, very difficult to actually establish damages when there's a data breach. I mean, if you hadn't actually had one of your systems hacked, I mean, you know, your credit cards hacked into, what is your damage if somebody's got your information? It's very hard to prove. True, very- true. Well,
0: because a lot of, yeah, it's a really good point because a lot of times you might be able to, even if there was a hack, you might be able to head things off the path so there w- there wasn't uh, or isn't necessarily any tangible damages falling from that
1: right B- very yep. very difficult to to establish what the damages were and they'd usually right. be, you know less than a dollar per per breach I mean historically as, as far as you know the the, the lawsuits and you know the, the case law has provided but with the CCpa it's 100 to 750 dollars per breach period it's a statutory damage or if there's damage worse than that, whatever whatever's higher right whichever
0: is so, greater right a
1: company has got huge a company with a lot of uh, a lot of either employees uh because the employees do have a private right of action under the ccpa if the company's breached and their personal information is is acquired by a, a bad actor uh, but if, if if a company has you know uh tens of thousands of customers uh, think about it. It adds up pretty fast. If if, if the company was not using re- reasonable security procedures and they get hacked and they're going to have to pay out, you know, $750 per person.
0: Absolutely.
1: Individual on a private right of action. Of course, there's many class actions that have been on that, you know, since well, the I was going to say, a, it,
0: it sounds like an area that's almost tailor made for class actions too, because there's, there's going to be a lot of people that are similarly situated as far as, uh, you know if there wasn't reasonable security measures as to one person, it's probably likely that there wasn't as to the other employees as well,
1: well, yeah, I mean, if you're not utilizing reasonable security procedures and yep. some some bad actor gets into your system, then whoever's whoever's data was wrongfully acquired, that person's got the right to one hundred to seven hundred fifty bucks per data breach per person yeah. And yeah, of course, you know, exactly. of course California, which is, is as you're aware, is a little bit plaintiff oriented. So I think that, you know, the, the CCPA is a full time employment act for, you know, plaintiff's class action lawyers, too, I think. Uh, you know, it's right. It's been, there's been quite a right. bit of litigation here in California over that. So.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. No, I appreciate that insight on that. That's a really, really good point uh, as far as the potential exposure there. Um, and especially to your point. Uh, With some states codifying what those damages amounts are and taking the, you know, kind of maybe the unknown nature out of it in some cases. I think that just ups the ante and making it that much more important uh, that reasonable security measures are in place, quite honestly.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Okay. So before we wrap up today, I did, there was one other kind of topic related to this that I wanted to touch on, Ron, and that is you know so far like throughout this episode we've been talking you know from the standpoint of computer networks right and and accessing along those lines and and making sure of course that we're basically not creating additional access points if you will for third parties to be able to get company information um Uh, So a related question, I guess, uh, what is the most updated guidance you could give on, uh, physical security, um, of computers and systems? Does that make sense? Like, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, can, physical, you to, can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, physical. Uh, obviously, physical security is just as important. People don't think about that, but, but I mean, right. if you've got if if you've got uh, boxes uh, with an employee, you know, beacons boxes with employee information, you know, sitting in your office and your office is not locked. Well, you're not utilizing reasonable security procedures, uh, and, and so if somebody walks in and and decides to walk off with with a box, <laughs> you know, uh, you're going to have liability. Uh, uh, Certainly under the CCPA, and so so you really have to, if, if if you are keeping physical documents that contain personal information, you have to restrict access to that. You have to put those documents in a in a locked vault if you, if you can, uh, and uh, and make sure that you know whoever goes in is specifically authorized. So you have to develop the appropriate you know corporate governance to deal with with the the retention of physical. Documentations and and now that I mentioned the word retention, that's another huge area uh, for um, uh, exposure. I mean, you want to um, uh, limit, uh, you know, how long you keep any document, and it's it's of course, you know, it's it's kind of a fundamental of the GDPR, and that is the right to be forgotten. And you should never have any information for any longer than you need to hold that information for the appropriate business. Purposes or other, you know, yep. other legal, other legal yep. means. So you want to develop a document retention policy that, that allows you to destroy whether it's physical or electronic, you know, documentation after it is, uh, you know, stale for lack of a better that's term. A,
0: yeah. 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 It's a really interesting concept too, because I'll tell you what, that it, that's almost the flip <laughs> side of the coin that, that, you know, human resources and employment attorneys are are more familiar with. Right. Normally yeah. when we think about these, we're very attuned to, okay, how long do we have to keep the document in order to comply with, for example, Fair Labor Standards Act or, or right. title seven or, or right. other, you know, other employment laws that apply. We're so focused on how long do we need to keep it? That's um, right and And oftentimes, too, there's advantages, of course, and in, and in, in having access to documents, not just for compliance, but obviously, if you get into a litigation posture with a former employee, it's it's obviously, you know, ninety nine percent of the time better to have documentation than not um, as right. as we know. Um, but the but the focus there is on how long to keep it. yeah, um, you raise a really interesting point, though, which is to say there is a flip side to that coin, um which is. You don't want to keep it longer than you have to, because if you do, you've now created kind of an additional source of a potential data breach, you know, unnecessarily so.
1: Yeah, you've created an additional source for the compilation of damages, because if there's right. a data, there's more information that the bad guys are going to get. And, <laughs> exactly. and I know that when you're looking for cyber insurance, that's one of that's one of the first questions that that, that the carrier is going to ask you. What's your document retention policy? Can I see it? How's it laid out? And I know at Harmony, you know, we we struggled with that for a while because you know initially we were keeping everything forever. Uh, it's just kind right. of what you want to do because you think it's going to be safe that way. But we had to to develop very elaborate retention policies. I know that you know we were you know we were um, we had inquiries from the you know ICO, which is the Information Commissioner's Office of uh, the UK, about what our retention policy was. We had uh, you know inquiries from the OAIC Office of Australian uh, oIC Office of Australian Information Commissioner about what our retention policies were in Australia, and so we had to develop. And basically, what we did from a thirty thousand foot level was just determine what's the longest statute of limitations for either defending ourselves on a claim, right. or whatever. And I think you know we right. determined that six years was going to be it, you know, um, and then after that we would uh, destroy or anonymize the data. But you know the anonymization has to be complete where you can't you know reverse engineer it. But I know that right. That's another issue, and I'm you know maybe going off topic a little bit. But I mean it's very hard to destroy data. I know that it gave our tech people you know fits you know because one time we tried to destroy old data and what it did was it it messed up a lot of ongoing things. So we made the determination to irreversibly anonymize the data instead of actually destroying the data. So that's something interesting. interesting. Yeah, that's something yeah, your tech yeah. people are gonna to have to deal with. I mean, these are all technical questions, but right. it's up to the lawyer to, to ask the question to the technical people so they know what you know what the law is and what they need to do, and then let them come up with a solution for how to best um comply with the law and you know
0: right, and, exactly and not
1: have accessible uh, by bad people.
0: Exactly. Now that makes a ton of sense. I, I'll tell you what, Ron. I, I really appreciate your time today. I I was it was awesome hearing about your background uh, coming into Constanti. I think it gives you kind of a unique perspective on these issues, uh, and really sh- really appreciate you sharing just today on the episode. Uh, you know the, the the current battlegrounds, what people need to be aware of, um, and and I'm glad we we're able to talk about it a little bit from kind of an HR. Uh, you know, and legal and, you know, and kind of employment law perspective, because I feel like these issues, like like you kind of said, you don't have to be a tech person, but you got to know some of the tech. And, and this is kind of one of those examples. Uh, so oh. definitely appreciate
1: it. Absolutely. My pleasure.
0: Yeah. And before we sign off today, I just like to make our typical request uh, to our listeners. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, Uh, Uh, please let us know that we're trying to hit topics, uh, you know, from an employment law standpoint that might not be hit all the time. Uh, We're trying to kind of broaden out there, the different topics we're covering. Uh, Please follow us, rate us and leave us a written review on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcast episodes uh, so that other, you know, folks can know about our show and we hope you tune in again in a few weeks uh, where we're going to cover an additional topic. And we hope to see you there. So, again, thanks so much, Ron.
1: You're welcome.